Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wartman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is Monday, September the 30th. Hope you had a great weekend. It is 8 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 in the Central, and all time zones around the world. Thanks for tuning in today. It was um, it was a weekend. I uh, hope you had a good one. Uh, for me, it was a weekend. I don't know that it was it was good or bad. It was just a weekend. A uh, lot of soccer, um, and uh, you know that's always good. And uh, you know the the Liverpool match on Saturday was ugly. Um, but, uh, you know, you get a win and at this point, you know, that's what, that's what you're, you're trying to figure out some way to, to, to make it work and keep it going. You know, Man City's going to be there breathing down your neck. And so that, you know, that was, uh, fortunate, uh, they should have converted some other chances and didn't, but, uh, held on to win one zero and then Barcelona, my favorite club, uh, was able to, uh, Somehow work out a uh, 2-0 win. It wasn't It wasn't pretty play. It's not going to be pretty play. Valverde is a dead man walking and um, should, have been, should have been out uh, at the end of last season at the very latest and uh, was held over past his cell date. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, and so, you know, they're going to suffer through, um, suffer through those issues in terms of the, the the way that they play and the way that they do what they do uh, for quite a while until that is resolved. Um, so that that was Saturday. Um, yesterday was spent watching some some soccer in person uh, and uh, just some ugly soccer. Uh, was there was nothing nothing really pretty about it at all. Um, Way too many uh, long goal kicks and not enough possession, and uh, it's just a frantic um, recycling of the ball all over the field. Uh, very much your 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 typical American soccer that uh, we keep talking about. Hey, we got to get away from this. We've got to teach players how to play with the ball, how to enjoy the game, how to uh, how to connect to one another. And uh, you know, I was I was. Tweeting about this, uh, tweeting about this the other day, and um, and and one of the things I was I was talking about was the fact that um, that in that um, in, in that moment of watching possession and taking a look at like what does that look like for a team how can you figure out whether your team uh plays real possession soccer ricky powers at ricky underscore powers three um had had a little bit of a tweet thread the other day he said i've said it before and i'll say it again a lot of coaches play out from the back and try to get the ball down until they go down a goal and momentum starts going against them. Just watched a U10 team who tried to play out from the back in the first half, didn't do a good job. But second half, the coach was instructing the goalkeeper to go long, win second balls, and the defenders to tuck in and protect. 
coaches can play however they want. That's up to them. My main thought is, though, if there is no consistency in the way you play, how do the players learn it optimally? So that was his tweet, and 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 I retweeted that with this comment, kind of like clubs who talk about how their teams play possession soccer but don't actually teach it or know how. Just watch the goalkeeper, the right back, right center back, left center back, and left back. Are their movements rehearsed or random? Hint, goalkeepers who punt most of the time are on teams that don't play possession. The big key there to me, when you're looking at the things that Ricky was bringing up and then, you know, my follow-up comment with that is what is being taught? What is being rehearsed? What should these players be learning week in and week out at their training sessions? And how is that translating to the quality of play and the style of play on the field? This is the biggest disconnect in American youth soccer development. The training sessions of too many of these teams are not directly linked to how a team needs to play on the weekend. And by I say needs to play, meaning what is their intention Whatever that style may be, if the style is to be direct, what are you doing in your training session that helps your team play better if you're going to play a direct, vertical style of play? Now, I'm personally not a big fan of that style of play. But if that is the way that you want to play, what are you doing in your training sessions to teach your forwards or your midfielders to be involved in the run of play, how to win the second ball, all of these different things? How are, where, where are you being strategic and where those long balls are being played? Are they being played down the flanks? Are you trying to create spacing for a winger to have time to get on the ball? Like, What are the things that you are doing, regardless of the style, And I may not like your style, but that's more of a preference issue. Your your style or philosophy of play, that's up to you as a coach. I'm not saying everyone has to play a pep style of possession-based soccer or a Klopp style of of possession-based soccer. I'm not saying you've got to be a copycat of any coach in the world. You can have your own style, but what is that style and what are you doing during the week to train your players to, to, to perform in that style? During the week, that's where the work takes place. That's where the things that you do takes, takes into, into account what's going to happen on the weekend. So you're studying during the week. You're taking your lessons during the week, you're doing your homework, your classwork, right? In your training sessions, the weekend match or matches should just be everyone going out and playing and then we learn from what happened and go back into training, get back to work. The weekends are almost like a test. Where it's an evaluation. How well did we understand this part of our philosophy of play that we've been trying to teach? 
how well did we execute on this, etc. And we watch that and we see how that worked and then we go back into training and we keep getting it better. These are the things that I'm not seeing in American soccer. I don't see rehearsed movements, whether that's a direct style of play or that is a, someone who's, who's trying to play a possession-based style in the U.S. soccer kind of um, you know, push of the last few years to try to get teams to play this, you know, four-three-three. A lot of the coaching courses have been built around playing a four-three-three. I like a four-three-three, but I don't like a static four-three-three. I like it to move. I like I like players. I like movements to be rehearsed. And by that I mean, like personally, I like a four-three-three. But at any given moment, if you were to look at our team shape from above, my teams would always be morphing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a static 4-3-3. It would look like a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, all depending on player movements and where they were supposed to be at, at, in relation to the ball at any certain time, and, and, and then also the, the, the position we were on the field. So we had different varieties of ways that we would do that. When it, you look at what, what Pep did at Barcelona, and they've carried this over a little bit, since then, but the longer Valverde's been there, the less this has been implemented. But it used to be very classic Pep at Barcelona that, that Sergio Busquets as the six would drop in between their center backs to create a back three really wide across the field. And so they would drop into this back three in possession and just just tighten down like a python in the attacking half on teams and they would keep the ball and they would just surround you push their outside backs high up down the wings allow their their midfielders freedom to to control the ball centrally and they would just choke the life out of you and just basically surround you and you had no way out or very very little option to find a way out. So there are different ways that you can go about playing possession-based soccer. There are different variations. Pep has changed and altered based on his squads at each of the places he's been. At Bayern Munich, he did some different things than the way he did them at Barcelona. And at Manchester City, he's done different things, still with the same overall philosophy, but it's it's been implemented in different ways. There's been variations, different styles based on the primary style, but all of it's being rehearsed. Here's how we're going to play. Here's how we're going to do this. If our six drops in with our two center backs, then our outside backs are not going to go wide. Now they may tuck in as almost a double six, double holding midfielder. And you see these kind of movements rehearsed and play out. When you look at American soccer, I don't see that. And I don't see that at most of the, the professional levels of soccer. I don't see it at the elite amateur adult levels of soccer. And I, I certainly don't see it in the youth levels of soccer. There is, there is very much this kind of like go to the whiteboard and draw out a formation and say, we're going to play this. And that's the extent of the tactical talk. That your your starting point. It's om, it's almost as if we are we are we are setting up a chessboard. We put all the pieces in play at, at the starting position, 
And then we walk away from the chessboard saying, okay, now go play. How? Is my queen involved in the attack? Which pawns am I moving and when do I move them? How do I use my bishops or my rooks or my knights on the chessboard? And what's the sequence? How do I like to play? But for whatever reason, we, we've bought the idea that if we just get people in a starting lineup and in a starting formation, that everything will, will work itself out. And our training sessions are not directly leading to this and and into understanding the players understanding and this is this is across the board just don't really grasp what's going on and what could be going on and what should be going on on the field and uh and that's where we're going to get back to here in just a minute after the break but before we do a word from our sponsor ductic brand d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com we had uh, one of the co-founders on the show friday tiffany weimer we really appreciated her coming on the show um you can check out ductic brand at d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com use promo code dw show to get 10 percent off of your order Again, that is DW Show to get 10% off of your order. Check them out. They've got really great products that are already out. And as we heard on Friday, they've got some more coming out very soon in the next month or two, just in time for Christmas. So keep an eye on that at ductickbrand.com. We'll be right back after this. into the show thanks for tuning in on this monday september the 30th we were talking about right before we went to break about coaching and development of teams and in the development of the style of 
play with our teams and how are we preparing players so that they understand their roles, their responsibilities. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about, uh, you know, a chessboard and you line up the chess pieces in their starting positions. But what you do after that is, is what really determines what, what level of success you may or may not attain in that chess match. And that's very much what happens in in soccer if you're not training during the week for what happens after the ball gets put in play scenarios situations throw-ins goal kicks corner kicks restarts winning possession losing possession play in your own half play in your attacking half when the ball's on the left side, what does the right side do? When the goalkeeper gets the ball, what are their outlets? What are their options? All of these questions have to be addressed and answered. And if they're not, then what happens is total, just random play. Just random play. And, and, we, and we wonder why... We wonder why we're struggling on an international stage. We wonder why our top leagues in this country aren't better. It's because our play is too random. If you were to go and watch a youth American football practice, they're going to run, most of them are going to run a few plays in practice, and they're going to run them over and over and over, and over again. And they're teaching these little kids these set plays. Here's what we're going to run. Here's our five, six, eight, ten plays. And they're going to try to perfect them over and over. You're going to block here. You've got to get your block here. You've got to set this guy up here. Or if you're on defense, i got to have you blitz here. I've got to have you do this here. Boom, boom, boom. And they teach them over and over and over. They teach them these plays, they teach them their philosophy of play over and over again so that in the game they can execute their style of play, their philosophy of play. We don't see that type of mentality in our American coaching. Generally speaking, that does not occur with our players. If you go to a training session during the week and you see a, a team's got, you know, one, two, maybe three training sessions during the week and you go during the week and you watch the training sessions, does it have a direct correlation to the way you're trying to play on the field? Our teams rehearsing restarts and goal kicks, throw-ins, corner kicks, free kicks. Our teams rehearsing playing out from the back. What are, what are their center backs and their outside backs and their defensive midfielder? What are their responsibilities in relation to the goalkeeper when the goalkeeper has the ball? What do the midfielder rotations look like? If an outside back makes an overlapping run, what do the other players do in response? What are their correlating moves? Anyone could throw out cones on the ground and make a formation, but that does not mean a style of play. 
It doesn't mean players understand rotations. It doesn't mean players understand where they're supposed to be in relation to the ball at any given moment. These are the next levels. And our U.S. soccer coaching license courses, they're not doing this. Those are just certificates, pieces of paper that allows you to get paid more because you have a higher license, but it doesn't come with a higher quality education. I've seen plenty of high-level coaches run terrible sessions and their teams don't play great soccer when you watch them play because their training sessions are not lining up with what they profess to be their style of play. They set up a chessboard and walked away thinking they have addressed everything and they've addressed very little. One of the big things on social media right now is the angst of American soccer fans over the playing time of Christian Pulisic. And Christian Pulisic was asked this weekend about his his thoughts on his lack of playing time at Chelsea. He called his lack of playing time very frustrating, but vowed to keep working to break into Frank Lampard's lineup. Pulisic 21 was an unused substitute in Chelsea's 2-0 win over Brighton and Hove Albion on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. It is the fourth time in five matches that the ex-Borussia Dortmund player has sat on the bench. Yeah, of course, it is very frustrating, but I will continue to work um, my hardest because I want to play. Pulisic played earlier this week in Chelsea's 7-1 win over fourth-tier side Grimsby Town in the third round of the Carabao Cup competition where he picked up an assist. When asked if Lampard had given him any pointers on how to break into the regular, regular lineup, the man from Hershey, Pennsylvania said, not so much. He said to keep working, and I have to improve myself in training and try to get back in the lineup. Lampard, speaking about Pulisic, said he needs time to adapt, but we support him on that. His time will come. A huge part of any manager's job is to sit and work with the players younger or older, but with younger players, you want to pass on more knowledge and help them. Sometimes it is being tough. I try to do that as much as possible. Now, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with Christian and Frank at Chelsea. But there's a couple things I read into this and into these comments when I look at, at this situation. The first is that, that Christian said that his advice given to him from his manager is to keep working and that he's got to improve himself in training. Now, going back to where we started today's conversation, today's chat about where we are in the landscape of American youth soccer development, this is an area that does not get paid enough attention. Training. 
training has become this kind of hangout. Come get some touches on the ball. We'll do some technical work. We'll do this. We'll do that. There's no direction leading to the next match. There's not a progression in what you're doing. To scribble some notes on paper and say, hey, we're going to work on off-the-ball defending this week. This is our theme for the week. That's not a plan. That's a wish. That's a hope. It's a prayer. It's an idea. But without practical training session, tactical sessions that support that idea, it's nothing more than an idea. It's really no different than putting cones on the ground and saying, we're going to play a 4-3-3. Here's where where you're at on the field. Player assignments to, to positions or cones on the ground. Go play. It's the same thing. We have to go a layer deeper. We have to go underneath, dig down, really get into the weeds and understand If we want to play this style of soccer, whatever that style may be, we have to then break that down into bite-sized chunks that we can train in training sessions. This is how we teach kids. This is how it works in school. When Christian says, I have to keep working, I have to improve myself in training, Saturday or Sunday for a match. That's not where Christian's got to prove himself. Pulisic has to prove himself Monday through Friday. Every day. Consistency in his performances and training. And I don't know. I don't know what he's not doing. And I don't know if he knows what he's not doing to win the trust of his manager for more playing time. But it's Monday through Friday in those training sessions. That's where he's got to do the work. That's where he's got to take it up another level. That's where he's got to go in order to have the opportunity to shine on the weekend. Now, Frank Lampart's comments about Pulisic, that sometimes it is being tough. I try to do that as much as possible when talking about the younger players. I don't know exactly what he's referring to in terms of specifics with Christian or younger players when he says being tough. I don't know if that means he's, he, he's not quite getting enough effort in training. I don't know if he's thinking I want to, to see them be more aggressive in training. I don't know what he means by that. That's a, that's a conversation for, for Frank Lampard and Christian Pulisic. But whatever the case may be, the one thing that we can know for certain is that the test, the evaluations on Saturday are based on the training sessions taking place Monday through Friday. And the manager at at Chelsea is not seeing enough Monday through Friday 
for for Christian to get more playing time on Saturday or Sunday. Now, you have to perform in matches. There's no doubt that you have to perform in those matches. But you've you've got to prove it during the week. How quick are you picking up concepts? How, how aggressive are you in implementing those concepts and, and into your, your style of play, into the play of your team? So if you think about what, what's going on with Christian in this case, it's a microcosm of what we see in American soccer in that the, the Monday through Friday or the two training sessions you get a week, what are they doing to prepare your players to play whatever style or philosophy of play that you and your team have set out to play? If that is a, you know, four, two, three, one, and you want to play counterattack style of soccer, you want to sit deep and pounce. If you want to play a possession based, um, you know, I want to choke the opponent with possession with a 4-3-3 and I want to play this way. I want to play very aggressive with a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. If I want to play direct with a 4-4-2, whatever your style is, we can agree or disagree on that style. But those are preferences. What are you doing to teach your players that style, that philosophy? When we look at the education of, of, of kids in school, there's lesson plans. And there are concepts, there are principles that are being taught all throughout their different subjects. And they're broken down but they're all supposed to be leading to something else, something coming up. It's not just randomness. The education experience in the classroom from a scholastic perspective is not dropping your kids off at the beginning of the school year and they walk in and on their desk are a stack of textbooks and the kids are told, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to do math, reading, history, science. There's your textbooks. Have at it. Just soak it up in the classroom. No, we expect our teachers to take those textbooks, break them down into lesson plans, teach those different lessons, building on each other, and guide them through their educational journey. Some teachers do it better than others. Kids learn differently. And teachers have to adjust their teaching methods based on the makeups of their classrooms. These layers of educational nuance and teaching, this is what we're lacking in American soccer. There are lessons that every player needs to learn to get better. What is their role? What positions line up with the type of player that that they are. 
what do they do in direct correlation to the ball and the players around them? What are their off the ball movements? What are their responsibilities? Where should they be at a restart? We have across the landscape of American youth soccer, we have dropped kids in soccer classrooms, dropped a a stack of textbooks. And in, in many cases, most cases, I would say, we, we haven't even given them the textbooks. We've given them a sheet of paper with a diagram. And we said, go play. And that's it. That's the, that's the beginning and the end of their education was a formation. The beginning and the end of how we want to play. We've got to begin to break down what we want to do, how we want to do it into training sessions so that our players understand just like what Christian's going through at Chelsea that I improve and I do the things that I need to do to get better during the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And the better players do those things outside of team practice. And the best players go beyond that. They don't just get some extra work. They are consumed with extra work. The love of the game. And they would just go put hours in with a wall. There are just so many things I'm seeing. The more I travel this country, the more I watch and see where we are, I, I feel like we are nowhere closer to becoming a soccer country with with quality players across the board. And it's not that the players don't have the ability to learn those technical skills or the ability to to understand tactical, tactical situations. They're just not being taught. They're not being led. We have a major deficiency in the area of parent education. Most parents go watch a game and they don't even know what they're watching. What are you trying to achieve as a club, as a team? And it's hard to do that when your when your play is built around random and not rehearsed. Random movements, random play, random positioning, not rehearsed. What's crazy to me about American soccer versus baseball, basketball, or American football is that of those four sports, soccer coaches get paid far and above their counterparts 
in those other sports. Most of those other sports are filled with volunteers. Yet at that same level, those same ages, we're paying soccer coaches to do a poor job, less practices during a week than the volunteer coaches in baseball, basketball, and football. So we're paying more in American youth soccer than we've ever paid before. And we're getting a worse coaching experience and educational experience for our kids than what they would get from volunteer coaches in other sports. This is, this is a big issue. Our parent education, our, our, our coaching education, our player education of really understanding what we're trying to do as a country, how we're trying to do it, and then having these coaches really understand and prepared to set a team up to play. Whatever that style may be, we can agree or we can disagree. You can be direct or you can say, I want to play a a positional style of play that leads us to support the ball, which gives us a better, better chance, greater chance, greater opportunity of keeping possession. And I want to choke you like a python. That's my view. That's how I like to play. But we can, we can, we can disagree over that. That's fine. No big deal. It's a chess match. We'll, we'll, we'll see what works out on any given day. But what are we doing to teach our players whatever that style of play is, how are we imparting that education and what are we doing to follow that up? What Christian Pulisic is having to learn right now at Chelsea is that he's got to go into training and figure that out. He's got to figure out how to prove and earn the trust of his manager so that he gets more opportunities on match days. He doesn't want to be in the unused substitute column. Most players don't. But the answer is give me give you more playing time on the the answer is not getting more playing time in matches on the weekend to prove yourself. The answer is proving yourself in the training sessions. The reason why Messi and Ronaldo have been at the top of the game for so long is because of their work outside of their matches. They work. They outwork everyone else. If you go and you look at what they do, most players are not willing to go that far. Jay Williams, a former basketball player at Duke who, who was with the Bulls and had that tragic motorcycle accident years ago and almost lost his leg. Before that accident, told this story about playing and facing Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. 
in the Staples Center. And he had decided that that he was going to go in early and, and get a good workout in before the game. He wanted to be ready to face Kobe. He got to the, to the gym. Kobe was already there in a full sweat. Game-like situations, shooting. He's like, he wasn't taking it easy. It was full intensity. Boom, shoot. Boom, boom, shot. Boom, boom, pass. It was just over and over and over. Jay got his workout in, felt like, felt good. Man, I, I got some work in. Turns to leave, Kobe's still shooting. He was there before he got there. He was there after he left. When he left, he, he thought to himself, Kobe, there's no way he's going to have anything in the tank tonight. That dude, I mean, he looked like he was shooting and it was an off day or he had a few days off. Not like he was getting ready to play a game in two hours. We, we're going to have a really good night against the Lakers. They go out and they play the game. Kobe hangs 45 on the Bulls and they crush him. And Jay Williams comes up to Kobe after the game and is like, dude, I didn't think you would have anything left in the tank with the way that you were doing your, your warm-up session. And Kobe was like, I mean, I, I do that every day. And Jay was like, well, how long, how long were you going to stay there and shoot? And he told Jay, longer than you. He was not going to be the first one to leave that gym. Even though he was there before, he was not going to be the first one to leave. There was as much mental training as it was physical. That grit is what is required. That level of mentality is what is required to reach elite status as a player. A will to not be denied. I know the answer that I want and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. In the case of Messi and Ronaldo, they have elevated their play far beyond their present-day counterparts. Pulisic is having to learn this lesson right now that there's something about his game or some things about his game that he's got to elevate. And he has to do that in the training sessions. We need that same mentality to infiltrate soccer coaching in America, that our coaches begin to think about how they play, how they design their training sessions to match how they want to play, and then go in with a purpose and a plan to teach players to play that way. When it comes to that part of the game, those levels and layers, we fall really short in American soccer. And I hope that that Christian Pulisic is able to figure it out. I hope that he's able to find a way back into the lineup. 
we're all rooting for him here in the U.S. So I want to see him have success. But every fan that, that's out there that's just freaking out because Christian Pulisic is not playing. You got to think back to where he was at Dortmund. He wasn't a, a bona fide regular starter. He lost some of that positioning in the depth chart at Dortmund before he transferred to Chelsea due to injuries, due to Jaden Sancho and others. And this is a real world of America, uh, of not American soccer, but of global soccer. It's a meritocracy and you got to earn it and you got to continually earn it to keep it. So good luck to Christian. Keep fighting the fight. And I hope more American players will take that same mentality that he has. Speaking of mentality, Charity Water has an incredible mission, which is to provide clean drinking water to every person in the world. They want everyone to have access to clean water. And you can be a part of that story at charitywater.org. Again, that is charitywater.org. Go there, learn more about their mission, and join the mission at charitywater.org. We'll be right back after this. No one. No man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. September the 30th. Thanks for tuning in. Speaking of Christian Pulisic, former United States men's coach Jurgen Klinsmann has said Christian Pulisic needs to become, quote, nasty to succeed at Chelsea. Klinsman, who oversaw Pulisic's development at the national level, and and um, let me just interject here. National team managers don't develop players. National teams don't develop players. That is a misconception. That is not what happens around the world. Back to the story. Said he admired the 21-year-old's decision to move from Borussia Dortmund to England, but acknowledged the winger must do more to fit into the Premier League. You never know it's the right fit 
unless you do it, Klinsman said. Christian did well to say, I'm going to throw myself in another cold water, go over to London and throw myself in the Premier League, and I have to fight through the system there. So that's what he's in. He's a very special player. He's tremendously talented. But this is a big step because Borussia Dortmund was also basically the club where he got formed into a professional player. He came out of the youth system there. He moved himself up. He had all the support within the club. And now going to London, also to one of the biggest clubs in the world, you got to bring your elbows out. Pulisic spoke this week about his frustration at his lack of playing time at Chelsea, but Klinsman said he believed he has the ability to fight for a place in Frank Lampard's team. Quote, he will go through a phase now where more and more he needs to bring his elbows out to fight himself through the system there, Klinsman said. Can he do it? Yes. Absolutely he can do it, but you need to be patient too. Sometimes you forget he's a very young player. You're basically in a daily competition. Maybe in Dortmund he knew I established myself already within the club to be a very special player. I get my minutes in, I get my games in, I'm a starter most of the time. You don't have that automatic assurance at Chelsea. At Chelsea it goes from game to game, week to week. You're basically in training and you have to tell the coach, I'm in. I'm going to start this game. So it's a little bit more cold. It's a, it's a little bit more nasty. What I mean with the elbows is that you have to become nasty in order to make yourself a starter. Pulisic joined Chelsea for a fee of £54 million and has not yet scored in six appearances for the club in all competitions, but Klinsman emphasized the player's ability, which he said he saw from a young age. He got the European passport because of the Croatian roots within his family, Klinsman said. There was a little bit of a fear. He got the chance to play for Dortmund because the European passport was there, but we also wanted to make sure that he was in the U.S. forever. He assured us, no worries at all. But we made sure, so we played him very early as a 17-year-old just to lock him in. When you see this type of a talent, even if he's only 16 or 17 years old, I saw him at 15 in Florida at one of these showcase tournaments in December where and two or three other kids were, were then brought over to Europe and left the United States at a very early age. When you see that type of talent, you got to make sure that he's playing then for your national team. He evolved exactly the way we wished him to evolve. So Klinsman is kind of picking up on what what Frank Lampard said. A little bit of that tough love. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting more. It's a doggy dog world out there in 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 open competition soccer and 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 European soccer is that. And at Chelsea. As, as Klinsman pointed out, it's week to week. It's game to game. It's training session to training session. Every day you have to bring it. Someone's coming for your spot. Someone's coming for your minutes, your playing time, your starting spot, your position. Every day. You don't get a day off. Monday through Friday, every day you have to bring it. 
then if you're fortunate if you're so fortunate to get, get an opportunity to play on the weekend you have to perform we we have no understanding of how much it really takes to make it in american soccer and Pulisic is learning that lesson. And as Klinsman pointed out, he's got to get his elbows out. He's got to get nasty. He's got to fight harder. You've got to take it up another level. You cannot be too nice. You've got to go and get it. You've got to take it. You have to make it yours. That's a mentality that we lack in American soccer. The grit, the grind. You see it on the the basketball courts in this country. You see players that will grind, that will get out, they will shoot, they will go hours and hours. They'll get their work in, they'll play, they'll play pickup games. We develop the best basketball players in the world, the best talents in the world, because we have a culture here that is naturally ingrained in these kids to just go out and shoot and grind and play. That's not the case in American soccer. How many times have you driven by a soccer field and it's empty? When do kids get together and play pickup games? There are so many layers to this. You know, we were, we were talking earlier in the show about the training sessions and making sure the training sessions, the education is taking place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to your matches on the weekend. Whatever your style of play is, it's got to build towards your weekend. It can't just be random or you're going to get random output on the weekend. What you put in during the week has a direct correlation to what you see on the weekend. If your team's not very good at possession, it's because you're not training it during the week. It's not an accident. It's a direct correlation. When it comes to the culture, that nastiness that Klinsman's talking about in relation to Pulisic, and he's got to earn his spot. He's got to get his elbows out. He's got to let people know he's there. He's got to show to his manager and the training staff and to the rest of the players in that squad how much he really wants a spot. He's got to leave his mark, and that's going to mean requiring him to play every day at a higher level, every day to train at a higher level, every day to push himself to go harder, to do more, to prove himself yet again. It's not enough to get something right. You have to do it right every time so that you don't get it wrong. If you've got bad habits in your game, you've got to start to address your bad habits. And it's got to come from within. It's got to be intrinsic, not extrinsic. 
It has to be something that comes from you. You've got to look at your own game and you have to say, look, where am I coming short? If I want to get on the ball in front of goal and get more chances, what am I not doing consistently to put myself in that position? And then once you figure out those answers, then you've got to start to figure out how to get those answers implemented into your game and then get them consistently implemented into your game to where eventually you change a bad habit into a good habit. All of this is a work in progress. It is a grind. It is a process. As Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you got to have macro patience, but micro hustle. Meaning you can't get frustrated that you're, you're, you're not the player you want to be tomorrow. Instead, you got to go, hey, these are my goals. This is how I want to play. This is the level I want to play at. You got to be patient to know that that's a process. That's a journey. But I'm going to get there over time because I am working every day on my game and these little changes are going to add up over time. We need that in our coaching. We need that in our players. We need that in our clubs and we need to teach all of this to our parents so that we can improve American soccer and take it to a level that it's never been before. Right now, everything's too casual, too relaxed, too soft And from what I saw this weekend, way too random. That all needs to change going forward. We really do our kids and this next generation a disservice when we don't provide them a quality education. Because one day, they're going to be the parents of the next generation. And it would do us all a lot more good if they had an idea to start teaching their kids at home before they ever get to you. Thanks for watching today's show. As always, you can watch on facebook.com forward slash WRKMN or at danielworkman.com. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch me on Twitter or Instagram at Daniel Workman. We'll see everyone again tomorrow. Tomorrow.